return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Praise the Lord. So I just want to talk tonight. So I talked at the conference a little bit about focus. And so I'm going to go over some of the similar things that I did at the conference. Um, I was just kind of praying about it, and the Lord really had put this on my heart for a while now. And, um, haha, it appeared. And so, I'm going to speak on that tonight again. But let's just pray before we get started. Father, we thank you that we can be here, and you're here in our midst. You're in the presence. We're in your presence, Lord, right now. You're in the midst of us, Father. So we thank you that we can do your will, Lord, that um, we can just hear from you. Lord, that I can hear from you on what to speak. Lord, they can hear from you on what needs to be um, applied to their life and to my life, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight I want to talk about setting our focus. And you know, right now in the world, you can have a lot of different focuses. You know, there's, there's things, there's, there's maybe moral issues, um, there may be political issues that we can look at um, and we can focus on. But I want to talk about our focus on the gospel. Amen. I want to talk about our, about our focus on Jesus. So I have this monocular here. And so if I just try to look at it, if I try to see, if I try to see Levi through it here, okay, if I don't adjust it, it's going to be blurry. I, can't, I just can't see out of it. Unless I start adjusting it. Okay. Oh, there he is. I can see him. So I can see him clearly now. Okay. There he is waving out. Amen. So... But if I don't adjust the monocular, I can't see. It's blurry. And that's in our life, in our spiritual life, when we don't adjust our focus and we don't continue to try to correct ourselves, um, going down the path of righteousness, we can lose focus. Amen? We can lose um, the um, ability to see, maybe, what God wants you to do. Amen? And so this focus... Um, and my, while it might be blurry if I don't adjust it, as I adjust it, it becomes clear. Praise the Lord. And so I know there's people I've talked to that, that at one point in their life, they knew exactly what God wanted them to do. And they're walking on the path of victory. They're walking in this path of righteousness. For his namesake, they were, what were they doing? They were focused on Jesus. And sometime, sometime along the way, they maybe didn't quite know what God wanted them to do anymore. Okay, and I've talked to people that have just kind of lost their way. At one point, they're on fire for the Lord. And as they're walking with the Lord, they just start to say, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I think a big reason that that can happen to us, amen, is because we get distracted. And so I've, I've talked about this before, but, you know, if you've ever been at the, in the ocean, we, I went to the Pacific Ocean when I was 13, and I love the waves coming in, rolling in. And, you know, you, when a big wave comes, you jump and try to kind of ride it back into the shore. And it was a lot of fun. But I remember uh, I was doing that, and I wasn't really thinking about anything. And all of a sudden, I look at the shore, and the shore is a lot farther away 
than it was when I started. And I thought, oh no, I got to get back to the shore or I'm going to get tossed out to the sea and one of those lifeguards are going to really have to be keeping their focus on me to see where I'm at. And so that kind of happens spiritually, doesn't it? If we're in life and we get distracted by things, um, you know, we've talked, Pastor Dave's talked about our anchor before, but if we're, if we're relative to the shore and we get distracted and we're just kind of going along life, we're having fun and different things and we look and we're farther away from the shore, we're farther away from maybe the truth or the word than we were when we first started um, in the Lord, maybe when we first started on fire for Jesus. Amen. And so Satan will do that to us. He'll try to get our mind off of the word. He'll try to get our mind off of the things of the spirit and make us people think that they're having fun in this life or maybe take their focus and put on something different than the, than the gospel. And eventually what happens? Well, maybe, maybe we start going out on something uh, like a tangent that isn't biblical or isn't doctrinally sound. Amen. And so that's why it's important, even as, as just Christians, there are, there are pastors that I really enjoy listening to, and that I would probably agree with most of what they say, amen, um, or maybe all of what they say, but I don't follow the pastor, amen, I follow the word, right? And so we want to be followers of not just a pastor, or not just an evangelist, but we want to be the followers of the word of God, because we don't want to be lied to and, and believe this lie that we can't be duped, right? We, we all can if we, if we think at one time or another, well, that'll never happen to me. What does the Bible want to, what is, not the Bible, what does Satan want to do? He wants to, he's going to attack in that area. Oh, he doesn't think that's going to happen to him. Let's, let's give him some temptation in this area. Let's do this. And if we keep our focus on Jesus, we can say, nope, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch that. Amen. And so that's important to keep our focus. Luke 9.51 in the Amplified Bible says, Now when the time was approaching for him to be taken up to heaven, he was determined to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. He sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went into Samaritan village to make arrangements for him. But the people would not welcome him, because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When the disciples came, when disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and destroy them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are. And so we see James and John, and they have this noble thing they want to do. They're attacking, these Samaritans are attacking Jesus. They're probably spitting on him, they're ruthless. They might be swearing at him. And James and John say, we don't like this. We know what the Bible says, Old Testament. Well, and to them it was just the Testament, right? Because they didn't have the New Testament yet. We know what we know what the gospels say. We know what the scrolls say. Not the gospels. Jeez, Brandon, come on. We know what the scrolls say, right? And so we are going to command fire to come down if you want us to and consume them. And Jesus says, "You do not know of what spirit you're from." He's saying, "You, your focus is all wrong, right? Your focus is all wrong." He said, "I did not come to do that. I came to love people." Amen. That's not what we are doing. Right now. And in the New Testament, as New Testament believers, that's not what we're doing right now. Amen. We want to continue to focus on Jesus and focus on the gospel because the gospel is the most effective way to win people to Christ. Amen. And that's what our assignment is on earth. Our assignment is to win people to Jesus. So the gospel 
is the most effective way to, to bring people to Christ. I just saw back on Thursday and Friday, there was somebody that went to the, uh, went to the campus and had signs up about um, judgments coming to and named off all these sins. Judgments coming to Muslims, judgments coming to lesbians, judgments coming to liars, judgments coming to drunkards, and all these sins on a sign with flames on the sign and everything. And he was, uh, that was the word he was proclaiming. Okay. Now, is any of that false? No, the Bible says that it's true, right? But is that the gospel? It's not the gospel, is it? I was reading the collegiate just on this event, and I saw there was a Muslim student there, and so it said, if you're Muslim, you're going to hell. You know, and that was just very black and white. And this Muslim student said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, I've never not liked Christians. Because from what he had always seen is that Christians love people and they're kind and different things. But I thought, do you think after this, do you think it's easier or harder for him to come into the kingdom of God because of what he saw and what he experienced? Amen. And so, while those things are true, it's not the gospel. And we we're talking in the back today how the gospel is the good news of Jesus. Amen. It's not the bad news, but it's the good news of Jesus. And Satan is so afraid of the gospel. One, because Satan doesn't like good news. <laughs> amen. But he knows that the Bible says the gospel is the power Amen. Of God to salvation for everyone who believes it. So when we're out ministering and we're preaching the gospel, Satan knows that he, he, doesn't, hold a, he doesn't hold anything to the gospel. He can't do anything to combat the gospel. Amen. And because the gospel is synonymous with Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the Bible says the name of Jesus is higher than any other name, that means the gospel is higher than any other thing that we could do for him. Preaching the gospel. Preaching the good news. And I'm so glad that there's no power in my words, just my words, but there's power in the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to preach the gospel. Amen? There's power in the gospel. And so my job isn't get, to get people to agree with me, but my job is to inform people that, hey, there's some good news out there, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he wants to see you have a good life, and then the Holy Spirit is the one that nudges and persuades. Amen. But my job is, to, is just to inform. My job is for people to see the love of Jesus in my life. Amen. We want them to receive salvation. We're not trying to get them in our denomination or in our church. We want them to receive Jesus. Amen. Isn't that the point? Um, back... When, uh, was it Azusa Street Revival? Remember when, uh, you don't maybe remember, but you've heard about it, right? The Azusa Street Revival, and this big revival came out, um, and just people just, just speaking in tongues and on fire for the Lord. And do you know what happened directly after that? Denominations started popping up. The, 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 the white um, assemblies of God quit, wanted to want to fellowship with the black assemblies of God. Amen, and vice versa. And so they split. Why? Because their focus wasn't on Jesus. Maybe in the time, but after everything happened, it wasn't on Jesus. No, the focus was on, okay, how can we get people over to my side? To my version of the gospel. Amen? 
And we don't maybe have all the same beliefs or there's things in the word that um, maybe can be interpreted differently. But those are small things compared to the good news of Jesus. Amen. The good news of Jesus Christ. And I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. We're going to read it in the Amplified Classic. It says, As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and evidence or mystery and secrets of God concerning what he's done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing. So this is Paul talking. He said, I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and him crucified. So they wanted to bring something else up. Well, what about this? He said, nope, I'm coming to preach Christ crucified. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Isn't that great? Well, what about this going on in the world? Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Isn't that great? Well, his message was, the, was Christ crucified. Amen? And then it says in verse 3, I was passed into a state of weakness and fear and great trembling after I had come among you. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive or enticing and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So if, if I read this, I think if I preach Christ crucified, then there's going to be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit wherever I go. Because the Bible says signs and wonders will follow those who believe in him. So Paul comes and preaches Christ crucified without knowing anything else about anything else. And it says that, that his message um, was set forth with the demonstration of the power of the, of the Holy Spirit and power which is a proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers. And remember, this is not just for Paul. This is for all of us. Amen? The most holy emotions and thus persuading them. So the Holy Spirit persuaded them so that their faith might not rest in the wisdom of men or human philosophy, but in the power of God. Again, I don't want people to look at me and say, wow, that was really, um, you know, Rand is a really powerful preacher. No, I want people to look at me and say, wow, the Holy Spirit um, is very powerful. Amen? I want people to look at, at a, a message that I give and not think about me, but think about Him. Right? Hallelujah. So we want to come in the demonstration of the power of God. So the, the gospel is the power of God. Christ crucified is the power of God. Amen? Power and authority in the new, good news of Jesus Christ. Where do we get our strength? Where do we get the authority to preach? In the name of Jesus, in the gospel, amen? The authority to witness. The authority to overcome our testimony of the power of Jesus on the inside of us. What did Jesus do for you? A testimony can be one of the most powerful things that you have in your arsenal to get people to, to, to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus more. Hallelujah. Just so people know that, that Jesus came to earth for us. And then he died for us. And then he res- resurrected for us. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I, you, you might hear people say that, but this issue is against the church right now. And I have to fight against this issue. Right? And I always want to, in my mind, I think, does the message lead to Christ crucified? Okay? So... Regardless of what it is, does the message 
that you're, you can, we can have opinions and we can, we can fight for causes and different things, but does the message that we're sending lead to Christ crucified? Does the message that we're sending lead people to the gospel? And if it doesn't, then it's probably the wrong message and we need to adjust our focus a little bit. Adjust our focus to get back on Jesus. Hallelujah. Like I said, we can, we can have our own opinions, but when we're ministering and we're witnessing and we're, we're being an example and a testimony to somebody else, we always want to lead, to lead back to Christ crucified. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. Are you getting something out of this tonight? Amen. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So he's saying to Timothy, I want you to preach the word. And I love this. It says, as an official messenger. You know that the Bible says that we're ambassadors of Christ. And so what is an ambassador? An ambassador is an official messenger, isn't he? Or he or her. To go to another country to basically speak the words of the leader of the country they came from. Amen. So if we, you know, if, if, um, so say somebody from um, the United States goes over to another country and just starts saying what they think. Well, this is what I think about the situation, and I don't really think you should, uh, you know, bomb the country you're going to bomb. And I, I think, you know, if you, uh, if you just listen to me, everything's going to be good. And he goes back and, and uh, his leader says, well, did you tell him exactly what I told you to tell him? He says, oh, well, no, I just kind of went with it. I just kind of went with, you know, what I thought. That's not a very good ambassador, is it? But no, as, as ambassadors of Jesus, amen, we get his instructions from the word, from the Bible, specifically the blessings of the old covenant and the new covenant that we're under, Amen. And we go and we proclaim the things that he's wanting us to proclaim about the gospel. How much Jesus loves them. How much um, he wants and has a great plan for their life. How much he wants them to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Where am I at here? Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it's not. Keep your sense of urgency whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct those who are in error in doctrine or behavior. Warn those who sin. Ex- exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction. That challenges them with God's truth, but wanting to have their ears tickled, Jeannie mentioned that this uh, this morning, ears tickled, with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. And, and so in that, talking about chasing after teachers, many teachers, again, when our focus is on the messenger and not the message, we're going to be chasing after different ministers maybe that we really like to hear maybe that we've listened to for a long time. And so instead of really maybe thinking for ourselves, it's easy to just say, well, uh, brother or sister so-and-so said it, so it has to be right. Amen? So we want to be able to say, no, okay, 
I don't know if that really registers or not with my spirit, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the word and I'm gonna have the Holy Spirit download me with the revelation that I need to really um, to really uh, internalize this and have the Holy Spirit speak to me about this message, about this issue. Amen. And it says that that they will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm and cool and steady. I love that. Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. And uh, Tom Shanklin was here this for the pastor's conference. He talked about that, how we, you know, there's, we have different jobs and different opportunities but we, we can all have an evangelist ministry. Amen? Because evangelist is just really, is telling people how to get saved, right? When we evangelize, we're saying, hey, you need to be saved. <laughs> Jesus loves you. He has a good plan for you. Amen? Whereas teachers maybe teach a congregation in the church that already know the Lord. Um, pastors, pastors of the congregation, again, are, are teaching in the ways, you know, everyday things. The Bible says that um, you know, the, the, the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints. Amen. But there's, the evangelists might go different places. You think of street evangelism and different things where they're actually, they're preaching to somebody who maybe have never have heard anything like this before. And so their job is to, hey, inform them, hey, this is what Jesus did for you. Now you should come in. Have the Holy Spirit lead you into this. Amen. But, so we can be this work of an evangelist and fulfill the duties of our ministry, and I think verse four is really interesting. It says, "Will turn their ears away from the truth and are going to wander into myths and man-made fictions." And it says, "And they will accept the unacceptable." Ooh. I think you see in societies all around the world, there's people and, and Christians that are accepting maybe the unacceptable, and the world even more so is starting to accept some of the unacceptable things um, that we wouldn't obviously agree with, right? But what does he say? You know, we go back when we go back to uh, Corinthians. What does he say? I'm not. I'm here. I'm not here to tell you what I think about what's going on in the world. I'm here to tell you that there's a better option. I'm here to tell you there's a plan for your life that doesn't include drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So when I look at Second Timothy, I think, okay, we want to minister to people the gospel first and foremost. Preach the word. Amen. So if that's the first thing I want to do is minister the gospel. Second, I want to minister when things look good, and I want to minister when things look bad. <laughs> Amen. Third, I want to minister when <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. I want to minister when it's popular and when it's not popular. Hallelujah. I haven't read up on a, a ton of church history. I just know, um, you know, when you think of um, the early church. And you saw people, you know, just Christianity growing, and um, they were so zealous for Jesus. You know, Peter and Paul and John and, and others that were there when it first started, and uh, and so it was kind of an unfavorable time for them, right? Because they were persecuted. You had Nero, who was like the worst of the worst, persecuting them, and then you think about um, Constantine, Constantine getting saved, and you know, from what I understand is from like that point until not that long ago, like things of the spirit, there wasn't very much of the things of the spirit going on anymore. 
you know, things just kind of almost, you know, at, at a point, I know things were going on all over, at different times in different places, but the church became relatively quiet, right? So you think, you know, you think like, well, you know, people might stop when things are unfavorable. I think people stop more so when things are favorable for the church. Because they think, wow, you know, it's almost like we take it for granted, like, wow, we have all this freedom to do what we want to do and to teach what we want to teach. We don't have to always be um, looking behind us and making sure. But I, I found as an athlete when I was running in high school that if I didn't have competition that was up on my heels the whole time, I wasn't going to run my best race. If I was just out in front of everybody else, or if this didn't happen often, I'm not bragging, kind of am, but if I was behind everybody else and I didn't have no ch- chance of catching them, then um, I wasn't going to run my best race. Because what? I didn't have anything to push me. There was nothing to, nothing to motivate me. And sometimes as Christians, when there's nothing to motivate us to preach the gospel and to teach the word, you know, really, we, we, the Bible says we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. So we kind of have to motivate ourselves through the word. Amen. But we don't have this motivation. It's easy to just kind of sit back and not really think about um, the souls that every day are going to hell. <laughs> you know, the people that really need Jesus. Until there's persecution. Why do you think the church grows when there's persecution? Because there's something to motivate them. Like, wow, we need to tell people about Jesus. They could be the next one. You know, I think that's what motivated the apostles when they were preaching the gospel is they never knew when their last day was. So they're like, we need to preach the gospel to as many people today as we can just in case our life ends. And so we don't want to do that. We want to continue to read the word and to preach the gospel even when it's favorable and even when it's not. Let's go to Luke 4.18 real quick. The Bible says, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then I love this, then he closed the book. So when you think about what your job is on this earth, what our job is, just, just look at verse 18 and 19, and then he closed the book. That's, that was his job. Amen? Nothing beyond that. And the Spirit of the Lord, just like it was on Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because Jesus lives on the inside of you. Because he's anointed Jesus to preach the gospel, he's anointed you to preach the gospel. Just because he sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, he sent you to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed. Amen. And so he was anointed. We are, you're anointed. I don't know, when's, when's the last time somebody told you you were anointed? You are anointed to preach the gospel. You are anointed to work the job that you're working right now. You're anointed to lead the group of friends that you have. Amen. You're anointed. As Christians, we are anointed. We're not anointed to give our opinions to those who are lost. We're not anointed to proclaim the judgment on those who don't know him. We're anointed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Then you can close the book. Amen? Someone might have great intentions to, to back a cause or fight for a freedom that is really important for the furtherance of the gospel, but we don't want to forget about preaching the gospel. 
we can back something that's maybe morally correct. But in that message, let's preach the gospel. Amen? And you know, one, one thing about the Lord is, is he loves to use your skills and my skills to influence people. So there might be a skill that you have that he's like, I want to use that. I gave him this skill. I'm going to use that to preach the gospel, to glorify him. Amen? And we have those things from God to present that gospel message. The last scripture I want to talk about tonight, let's go to Romans 2.2. 2. And really, and this is something that has been just stirring. I'm sure, I've shared, I'm sure I've shared versions of it before. But something that's just been stirring in my spirit for a while now. The Bible says, uh, I know your works, your labor, and your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. So this starts out as a, a pretty good church. He knows that they labor for him, that they're patient, that they can't bear anybody that are evil, who are evil. And it says, you have tested those who say they are apostles and they're not, and you found them to be liars. You're exposing the liars of the church. Good, good for them. And you have per- persevered and have patience and have labored for my, for my namesake and have not become weary. They're very good Christians. They've labored for the Lord. They haven't become weary. And the Bible says in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So they did all these things for Jesus. They labored for him. They put their sweat and their blood and their tears into ministry. But the Bible says that they left their first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place until you repent. And so what does it mean that they left their first love? They're doing all these great, wonderful things for the Lord. Amen. The church is, uh, is being, you know, liars are being exposed. Amen. You can see that with social media now. There's liars being exposed all over the place. <laughs> but their first love is Jesus and the gospel message. They've left the gospel message. They're doing all these other things for the Lord. But they left their first love. They left the most important thing of ministry. They left the most important thing of our testimony is how much Jesus loved you and I. They became out of focus and they didn't adjust. They couldn't adjust. They didn't see it. They did everything else right, though. They labored. Oh, man. Aren't you glad his yoke is easy, his burden is light? But they labored for him. I think about that. I think a lot of times people get burnt out because they're laboring so much for the gospel and for the Lord or for the Lord, you know, and and uh, and then it's easy for people to get burnt out. I know I know pastors have gotten burnt out, you know. They did everything right, so we can have the greatest intentions of the world, but if it's missing the gospel, we're missing the point. Amen. If our message is missing the gospel, then we're missing the point. And I was kind of thinking about, okay, removing lampstands. You know, Lord, kind of show me what that means. What do you mean by that? And he just kind of showed me, removing lampstands just means he's going to take your ministry and he's going to give it to somebody else. Amen? If you're going to take the ministry that you have, if you're not preaching the gospel and you're not doing what he's called you to do, he's going to just give it to somebody else. I think about um, um, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Remember, Zacharias got this, got this download of uh, information. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him John. It's going to be great. And he said, I don't believe you, angel. 
and he said, because you are in disbelief, I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't speak. I don't want you to um, override the, the, um, the blessing that we're about to give you. Amen? So removing our lampstand doesn't mean he's going he's gonna to kick us or judge us. No, it just means he's going to take your ministry, whatever your ministry is. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe it's in your community. But he's going to take your ministry. He's just going to give it to somebody else. Because he doesn't want, the Lord doesn't want us to um, just continue to go, and go down this road that isn't getting people saved, that isn't doing anything to further his kingdom. No, he's just going to take it and he's going to give it to somebody else. Just like Zacharias, he said, I'm not going to allow you, you know, because Zacharias was a priest, right? I mean, he was like the cream of the crop compared in, in the Jewish time there. But he said, no, I'm not going to allow you to minister to anybody until, <laughs> until your son's born. You might have great things to say. Maybe you have, a, you have a wisdom and insight, but you're not going to be able to use it until this thing that I told you has come to pass. Amen. Don't stall your ministry because you left your first love. We don't, we don't want to stall our ministry because we left our first love. Amen. We want to continue to adjust our focus to him. Because when we adjust our focus to him, amen, every single day, you know, being a Christian is a daily walk, right? Being a Christian is a daily thing. Every morning, we're kind of, we, every morning we kind of want to adjust. We kind of want to say, Lord, uh, what do you want me to, to do today? Give me opportunities today to, to share your love, amen, to share the gospel. And when we do that, um, you know, no matter how deep into the ocean we get, we're going to be able to know exactly where we are, exactly how far away we are from the shore. When we, when we calibrate and adjust every single day in our Christian life, we're going to know exactly where we are and exactly what we need to change. Because I tell you what, there's things that I maybe I've talked about to preach two years ago. And I look back and I think, eh, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have preached that or maybe I'd have done it differently. Why? Because nobody's perfect. And then we're all, we're all growing in, in the Lord. We're all growing in revelation and things he's saying. Amen? So he's anointed you. Not just anointed you, but he's anointed you to preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you have anointed us, Lord, that we don't even have to question if we're anointed to speak to somebody, if we're anointed to give our testimony. We don't have, even have to question if we're anointed to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to people that we know or maybe we don't know. And so, Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. I thank you that you've given us this awesome opportunity to be alive in this day and time to further your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We pray you just help us live in revival every single day through the renewing of our mind. Hallelujah. Or that we can present our bodies a living sacrifice to you. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise. I pray, for a ble- I pray a blessing on everybody here. I declare that you are blessed. You are blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. Lord, we are the head and we're not the tail. We're above only and we're not beneath. And we give you all the praise and glory tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. and Appreciate you all. Praise the Lord. Have a great, thank you, Bennett. Have a great, uh, have a great day, a great night and a week. Amen. You are dismissed.
thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.